0: to the aftershock post-game of the season opener here of the San Jose Earthquakes in San Jose in PayPal Park. Uh, I've been covering this club for eight years. Uh, I've seen a lot in my day. This, to me, was one of the the most abject tactical tactical failures we've seen, Uh, and I think the thing that particularly hurt me was it's coming off of a preseason where it was all behind closed doors so that Almeida could cook up something special and new to make it work with this new personnel. I, however, was on a fuzzy stream from the East Coast. It was blacked out in my local area because, of course, I'm in New York. What do you guys see in the stadium? Uh, was it any different than what I saw? Uh, and I'm going to start with Jamin Moore.
1: No, Colin, I, I think you're right. I think, I think tactically it was a, it was a quite a bit of a mess. Now, we have seen uh, home openers or openers in general that were just kind of messy. And that's kind of to be expected because there's nerves uh, for the players. And, you know, they're, they're still, you know, working things out. They're still getting out the kinks, the way that the things need to work, the attack, the defense, both sides, the ball. But today we saw an Almeida that was trying to be too cute, right? He was trying to do something in order to get his best players on the pitch and on the attack side, at least until, you know, Nathan got hurt there were some really good things. There were some nice interchanges. There was some creativity. The ball was being pro- progressed. But as soon as Nathan got hurt, no offense to Beeson, but asking him to play that right side just didn't work uh, for, for the types of skills he brings. They should have switched him and Calvo in my opinion. But Almeida was married to a game plan where Calvo was gonna be playing up high and and doing some other types of things. And you know he didn't change that. And the whole game went south you know, for the earthquakes after after the, that happened,
0: in my opinion. Um, so, Alex Morgan, I'm going to swing it to you next. Just with one quick question, just because I'm sure this is something you were checking on. It didn't look to me like there was much man marking in the system either. Uh, although, I don't know if there was just not much marking generally. <laughs> what did you notice?
2: There is definitely some man marking, Colin, but I don't think it's an identity anymore. That's what I said after I watched their preseason game. I don't think you can call man marking system an identity. They still use it at, points across the field, but uh, it's not the system, the comprehensive system that it was in 2019 or even 2020. And, you know, I'm not entirely surprised about this game, Colin, the Quakes have not won a season opener under Matias Almeida. This was their fourth and probably last attempt to do so. uh, And it failed. And, you know, I, for that reason, it's the first game of the season. I try not to be too reactive. um, But, the problem with this one is that it felt like it's a lot of the same problems that they had last year, that they had in years past. And it's just recurring problems. And even though Almeida tried something pretty radically different today, and I give him credit for that, they still had the same defensive vulnerabilities that plagued them. They still had the same sloppy mistakes. And they couldn't compensate going forward. I think. You know, for about 15 minutes, I was optimistic they were making good combinations going forward, but then the Red Bulls really just shut them down and clamped down that midfield, disrupted their flow, and it was all downhill from there for the Quakes.
0: Uh, Robert Jonas, you're one one of the few people who has even more years around this club than I do, um, almost twice as much as I do. Uh, and it, where, I don't know, I, I guess, can you put this in kind of a historical context? Is this just a, a slow start or is, does this feel like there's a trajectory here?
3: You know, it it's that's a great question because um, I think I noticed, you know, part way through the game, especially after uh, Nathan went out that you know, the team just didn't have the same on-field energy that, you know, maybe they did when he was on the field, but, you know, we know he came in with a gimpy knee and, uh, you know, which whether it was the, the knee that was previously injured or a new knee injury that occurred, you know, that, that really sort of disrupted things. Um, I spent a lot of the, of the game watching how the Quakes uh, offensive players sort of interact, uh, interacted together and how they kind of dealt with the New York defense Um, in the same way that the Quakes defense just uh, seemed to get picked apart at times, especially trying to play three in the back and, you know, I guess fullbacks are not a thing anymore. Um, the New York uh, Central three defenders were solid. I mean, throughout that game, you know, just put on a real kind of masterclass that uh, the Quakes should be watching the tape of that and then trying to emulate that as they try to recover from this one.
0: Um, and we're going to swing it over to Alma right now.
4: Hello, everyone. Thank you for being with us this afternoon. We are joined by head coach Matias Almeida. If you have a question, please let me know in the chat. We're going to begin with questions in English using Augustine as a translator before kicking a question or two in Spanish with no translation if there are any. Let's go ahead and get started with Jamin Moore.
5: Unmuted. Muted.
0: Apologies for that. It looks like we lost the press conference stream. I'm sure Jim is hurriedly working on it now. And we also lost Alex Morgan for what it's worth. Uh, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Um, Jamin, can you at least tell us what your question was? Because that was on
6: mute. I think we were playing a good game until Nathan's injury. Siempre que se lastima un compañero, se siente es una cancha.
5: Whenever a teammate gets hurt, you feel that on the pitch.
6: Tanner entró entró bastante bien.
5: Tanner came on pretty well.
6: Ese gol, faltando un minuto para que termine el primer tiempo. Tuvimos buenos pasajes durante el partido de buen fútbol.
5: Siempre que uno empieza
6: a elaborar otro sistema, lleva un tiempo. Hay jugadores nuevos.
5: Eh, pero
6: bueno, lo veníamos practicando y, y el inicio no es el esperado, pero dentro de, de lo que se trata esta derrota vimos cosas interesantes ahí volvimos a cometer errores
5: so eh. we were, uh, for, within, uh, match
6: y bueno se trata de empezar a corregir de nuevo y, y seguir mejorando en las cosas buenas que hizo el equipo
5: uh,
6: jugamos contra un rival que Eh, de los que enfrentamos es uno de los que mejor ejerce la presión cuando lográbamos romper la presión teníamos el control del
5: juego
6: y sabíamos también que nos podían lastimar de contragolpes y bueno, eso no lo podemos corregir entonces hay cosas buenas y hay cosas
5: so there were some good things and also some things to be improved on.
4: Thank you, Matthias. We're going to go over to Alex Morgan.
2: Hi, Matthias. Thank you for joining us today. Um, my question is about the defense and what you think went wrong with those three goals. Do you think it was a problem with transitions in the midfield? Was it more spacing at the back with the defenders? Um, or mistakes versus you know a systematic sort of thing that went wrong you know how did you assess those goals
5: eh no te pensás que falló la defensa en los tres goles y pensás que eh fueron errores eh personales más que eh un error sistemático del del equipo eh si ¿sí pensás que le costó defender la la transición de Red Bull
6: Yo creo que si vemos los tres goles, que los acabo de ver,
5: no
6: hubo una elaboración de juego del rival. No hubo un control del rival para provocar una acción de gol. Lo que vi del rival fue que presionó
5: cuando nuestros jugadores estaban de espalda. Sabíamos
6: que por el medio no teníamos que entrar porque es uno de los fuertes de Red
5: Bull, la presión en el medio. Uh,
6: porque sabíamos que ante una recuperación de ellos iban a salir rápido de contragolpes y nos podían agarrar abiertos.
5: Y dos de esos goles fueron así.
6: Dos pérdidas. Turnovers, dos contragolpes. Dos contragolpes marcas lejos de, de sus delanteros
5: y bueno, a virtud de ellos en, en concretar las acciones esa que tuvieron pero no,
6: no vi que por intermedio de su juego nos, nos pudieran lastimar sino que fueron errores
5: nuestros después el equipo tuvo
6: contra este rival el control del juego jugando rápido de un sector a otro and team fast, side to side. por momentos se vio un equipo combativo y un equipo que que quería jugar al fútbol nos enfrentamos a un equipo que que se defiende y sale
5: y nos salía de contragolpe como lo habíamos previsto
4: Thank you, Matias. Uh, next question from Marco Ukolovic.
2: Bueno, Matias, mucho gusto. You have three new players now in this revamped lineup for your team. How long do you feel it's going to take them to uh, build some chemistry and gel and get the results that you uh, want them to create for your team this season? Thank you.
5: Okay. Thank you. ¿Cuánto pensas que van a tardar para adaptarse y entenderse ya más en, con el equipo y para que den más resultados?
6: Y eso seguramente es un poco de tiempo. Por ahí hay gente que agarra un sistema más rápido que otro.
5: Surely that's going to take some time. There's some people who pick up new systems faster than others. Conocerse también con sus compañeros.
6: Por ahí algunos lo agarran antes que otros. Also get to know their new
5: teammates. Some guys do that faster than others. Pero yo a los tres chicos que
6: llegaron los vi bien, la verdad.
5: I think the three new guys look good today.
6: Eh, el y mejor
5: Surely, as time goes on, the better they will look. Esperemos, tanto yo como todo el equipo. Let's hope them just as well as the rest of the team.
4: Thank you, Matias. We're going to take one more question from Michael Roberson.
7: All right, buenas noches. All right, game one, year one, after Wando. What positives can you take out of this
5: experience for this first game despite the loss? I still
6: have to
5: analyze the game,
6: ver realmente lo positivo y the negativo, to really look
5: at the positive and the
6: negative. Y sí, es el primer partido sin Wando y sin los otros siete jugadores que se fueron. Es el primer Wando y los otros que se fueron. Hay cambio, it's a big pero bueno, estamos para trabajar y poder eh, presentar el equipo de una manera diferente
5: y competitivo también. Pero estamos aquí para trabajar, para presentar el equipo de una manera diferente y para mejorar también.
6: All
4: right. Thank you very much, Matthias and Augustine.
0: Um, it looks, appears as though that was going to be it. We usually have a Spanish language Jamiro section.
4: Montero as soon as possible. Thank you.
0: Okay. And as you heard from Jake there on the, on the stream, it sounds like um, uh, we're going to get Jamiro Montero as the player. Uh, interview after this of course brand new player and we lost a couple of the players who took the conferences the most frequently last year most notably of course chris Wanowski. um no, no Spanish language kind of questions there. That was a very short press conference, by the way, both in, by the standards of the number of questions they took, but also by the standards of Matias Almeida, who usually can can draw those out quite a bit longer. Um, I'm going to swing it back around in no particular order about what you heard from there. And by the way, I just had a clarification from Jamin, just because we lost his audio when he was asking the question, um, that his question was specifically about what uh, Matias' perspective was on uh, what happened once Nathan went out. Um, and, but by, by the way, I should say that at least from my perspective of where, you know, watching on the TV uh, stream that I had, it looked like Nathan was uh, quite upset after the injury and was being consoled by uh, the staff. We don't know anything about the nature of the injury, but, you know, that is that's generally an indication that it's something more serious than, you know, just a, a bruised knee or the like. Um, I'm going to start with Alex Morgan here. Anything from that press conference that stood out to you? Did it answer any questions you have? Did anything, you know, surprise you?
2: Well, I was interested in the way that he was talking about uh, how the Red Bulls took advantage of uh, the Quakes trying to play out of the back. Um, he said that the Red Bulls didn't actually you know, score any goals by building up the ball. And you don't have to. I think the thing that's changed about Matias Almeida's system in the last year and a half maybe is that he used to try to be a really aggressive, pressing team the Quakes are not an aggressive pressing team anymore. And it seems like they've kind of lost that edge going forward. They're not creating enough dangerous transitions. I would have liked to have seen them play a little bit more like the Red Bulls. I think that Matias Almeida could probably take a leaf from their playbook tonight.
0: I'm going to go over to actually Robert Jonas. Anything stand out to you about those answers? Anything that caught your mind?
3: well we heard uh again talk about uh you know time is going to be necessary for things to to work and uh you know this was a a pretty short preseason. you know there were some guys that came in a little later in the game you know montero for example who was a integral starter today but uh you know you're already 90 minutes only 90 minutes into the season and you've already got your first round of excuses lined up is a Bit difficult to. Yeah, can heard. I get a
0: quick follow up on you there? Is, you know, obviously <laughs> in the first preseason, you know, fair enough, it's your first preseason. And then we have the COVID impacted season, fair enough, it's COVID impacted season. Now that we're in year four with essentially a full preseason, and yes, some guys arrived late, but that's what's true at every club's. Does that excuse hold water for you at this point?
3: It it really doesn't. I mean, you know, if if you know if you are going to try to you know completely revamp the way you play, then you know, then that's on you. That's that's a bad coaching decision to try to you know have guys be ready for your season opener on under short notice. You know, you don't do that. You have to kind of gradually kind of bring in those those new strategies if that's your plan. <laughs> Um, it's disappointing to hear this is another home game they've dropped. Uh, you know, they won only five games at, uh, at home last year, just as many on the road and, and were well out of the playoff position. You know, these are Eastern teams that uh, you should be taking advantage of. And, and that's, that's what's uh, quite disappointing to hear that it was just a, a game he's looking at. as like, well, we hope to learn and we hope to get better. You
0: know, that's not, uh, you know, the coach should be a little more kind of concerned and maybe even a little angry about it. Yeah, actually, it was interesting how kind of passively he seemed to react uh, and seemed like he had a sense of patience of like, you know, this is just kind of a a learning process we're on when he's in the last 10 months of his deal uh, and is very much into the hot seat. Um, And with that, sorry, uh, Jamin, I'm going to swing it over to you. Uh, you know certainly it didn't we we had the impression going into this game that Red Bulls were not going to be a particularly good team they lost a couple of players they didn't have a couple of players available that they will this season they apparently had a rough preseason and what we saw on the night it didn't seem like they were an overly impressive team it just seemed like they kind of managed to you know win the chess match am i seeing that differently than you did
1: you don't want to read too much into preseason results colin but this is a team that just lost 6-1 to LAFC last week. And, uh, you know, of course, the Quakes beat LAFC, you know, a few years back 3-0 in preseason and proceeded to lose to them 5-0 in the regular season. So look, again, preseason results are what they are, right? But this team was missing Aaron Long. And I want to I want to uh, get into the tactics just a touch, uh, Colin. Yeah, and, please and, do. You know, I think you know the Red Bulls like I do. Let, let, let's, you know, kind of set for the fans who may not know a bit about the Red Bulls, kind of like the way that they play. And this yeah, is where well, I think Matias and his comments
0: like went wrong. Um, yeah. Media. Could, I, Go could ahead. I give you? Yeah. yeah well, I, I just want to, I'm going to give you a, a set you up for this, which is historically, <laughs> and this is, we're, we're talking actually several years back now at this point, uh, under Jesse Marsh, uh, they were a high pressing team who would press you at all points in the pitch. Um, right. And that was certainly true. And there were moments tonight where they were, they engaged their press and, and pressed very effectively and pressed hard. Um, but that was not the dominant approach. And that very much surprised me to hear him kind of describe them as a pressing team. When obviously what we saw today was very much a counterattacking team that would engage their press kind of more selectively. Is that what you're kind of getting at?
1: Yeah. What I wanted to to talk about though is, is what happens when they win the ball. So. Uh, the way that Almeida approached this game was his thought process was we want to stay out of the middle of the pitch against the Red Bulls because when they win the ball in the middle, they immediately progress it as high and as fast as they can, right? So if you lose the ball, you want to lose the ball to the outside and you want to try to force them to actually have to play with the ball a bit because you can always win a ball back very quickly. And there were times early in the game, particularly where the Quakes did actually a really good job of well putting the pressure on to win the second pass so that the Red Bulls didn't get any momentum going. And those created transition opportunities for the quicks. So you can kind of see from that where Almeida was coming from, but here's where it fell apart. Um, by putting the center backs, the outside center backs, and we're talking Nathan at the beginning of the game, you know, and then Beeson later, and then Calvo, and by putting them up high on the wings. and I don't know how much of this was always evident on television what he was doing with them, but he was pushing them similar to what he did with Beeson a few times last year, where he would push him all the way to the midfield from the goal kicks. And Almeida's idea was, I'm going to play over the press, and I'm going to play the ball to my center backs on the wings. So then if we lose the ball, at least we've lost it on the wings. But the problem uh, in those situations was that the Quakes would potentially win that ball, but then they would they would lose the next pass. And when they lost the next pass that was often in the middle of the field and when it was in the middle of the field now you had no defenders back and the game was lost in the transition moments and this is why it doesn't matter to the red bulls they don't care about owning the game they don't care about possessing the game you know i think uh, martin had a, had a had a you know a fair comment here you know they they didn't play well they didn't command the game but they generated a ton of shots because. They were always putting themselves in a position to be able to create something out of their possessions. So the way the Red Bulls play is they want a lot of possessions, and they want to convert as many of those possessions into shots as possible. And it's a math equation. And and uh, you know the comment there by by Martin is absolutely bang on with the Red Bulls math, the way that they work. And this is true at whatever level of Red Bulls that you see. Now, some coaches do it better than others. Some coaches adhere to it, the philosophy more than others. But what we saw tonight was not a team that was gonna try to to beat you with the press. They were just going to win the second balls out of the way that the Quakes were playing over top and then immediately transition on you. And now the Quakes have no central defenders back. And those midfielders were slip sliding all over the place trying to to stop these counters. And and eventually the Red Bulls were gonna make them pay and they absolutely did.
2: And it- and look, if you're going to play the strategy where you're trying to bypass that first line and you're pushing the two center backs really high, then I think you need to play Judson in the midfield because Eric Rometty is not going to be able to cover all that ground and be defensively strong enough if those, those center backs get caught out. And I think what we saw on a couple of the Red Bulls' big chances in their goals is that the center backs would get caught out and then Eric Rometty and Grey Goose wouldn't be able to cover. I think you need to play Judson in there if you're looking to play that way. And so this is one example I think of, it's not just about getting your best players on the field. It's about creating a cohesive system and and getting the right players on the field for that system. And I think the Red
0: Bulls did that perfectly and and the Quakes just didn't. Sounds like we got um, uh, Jameiro Montero up in this press conference right now. And we're going to go to that and uh, get that audio up for you in just a second.
1: Hi, Jamiro. Thank you for taking the time today. Obviously, it's your first game with the team. You guys tried some creative things on the attacking side, some of which worked very well, created a lot of danger early in the game, but it felt like the Red Bulls really took advantage of transitions when there would be mistakes with the ball, and they were able to get out there oftentimes with more numbers than than uh, you had back in transition. How, what can you learn from this you know, what, you, what needs to to change here in order to bring some more defensive solidity while you're attempting some of these creative attacking uh, uh, chances? Thank you. I
5: think they did it like uh, two three times, and uh, that's why... Uh,
7: out of that, they, they make a goal. And uh, I think uh, in that moment, like especially in the middle, we need to think fast and play the ball faster so, so, they cannot get, uh, so they cannot get the ball. So what we learn from this, yeah, play faster. And, uh, yeah. Thank you,
4: Jamiro. This question comes from Matt Schwab of the San Jose Mercury News. He asks, how did you feel in your Quakes debut and how long will it take you to assimilate comfortably to your new environment? Start again. How did you feel in your earthquakes debut, and how long will it take you to assimilate comfortably to the new team?
7: Uh I I feel already like comf- comfortable. So uh, uh, the guys here, everybody they welcome me very good, and uh, I'm happy that I make my first uh, game for the for the for San Jose. Uh, Disappointed that we didn't uh, uh, had uh, three points, but uh, we have we have a long season, so uh, for this game uh, we learn a lot, and uh, for sure we will we will uh, we will move on and uh, make it better.
4: Thank you. We're going to take two more questions, starting with Alex Morgan.
2: Hi, Jamiro, Thank you for joining us, and congratulations. On making your debut. Sorry about the feedback there, but I think it's fixed now. Um, you know, there were some positive things. It looked like in the attack, some combinations that you made, especially in the first half. You know, what were some connections in that attack that felt really good to you? And what were some connections that you think you need to improve?
7: Uh, the connection forward is uh, really good with me and Chovis, uh, uh K, and uh, Spinoza. Uh, like everybody they like to come in the ball they like uh, get a, a pass in the back so um, we have a good connection uh, we train really hard on that so uh, it's like i said, it's, it's our first game and uh, we it's a long season and uh, we will we will do better for sure and the way the idea like what the coach have is is a very good idea but it will come for sure we will uh, we will do better for sure Thank you. Thank you. Next
4: question from Paulo Paula Maruri.
7: Hi, how are you? Um, after this game, how would you manage the priorities and the urgency for game two? I mean, is there is less than a week? How would you manage the pressure to be ready for game number two? Thank you. Uh, like, uh, I'm a player. Uh, I hate to lose. I don't. I don't like uh, to lose. But uh, when I lose a game. Uh, it's not like I lose. I, it's more like I learn from this, from this thing, from this. So for me, it's like learn and win. So uh, I will take this to to the next game, and uh, this is like a motivation for me for the next game. And uh, I will do everything with the team to to win next week.
4: Okay, I think that's it for tonight. Thank you very much, Jamiro.
0: Another tight presser. Okay, guys, we have. Thank
4: you very much for being with us this we, afternoon and we will see you next we Saturday. Get that
0: presser audio out. Um, there's another tight presser that we got just a couple questions into Jamiro Montero, the Quakes new designated player signing that they acquired uh, through the Philadelphia union. Um, b- by the way, I just want to, you know, put it, f- flag for everybody, just that that tackle discussion with Jamin and Alex, I think is, uh, is spot on. And it's really insightful. You know, I'm I'm not someone who played the game at a high level. I think that that kind of helps us understand it. But I actually kind of wanted to zoom onto a, a slightly more fundamental question. Um, yeah, we can get I don't think I mean, quite frankly, I don't think anything that Montero said is, is needs like a specific discussion per se. Um, but Robert, I'm going to turn it to you on a kind of a, a more fundamental question you see, you know, Montero looked pretty good to me today. You you know, he looked exactly what we expected and we've seen him in the league for three years. So he's a known quantity. Um, And, you know, you can see, you know, Chofis had a couple of moments of Brilliant and you see a couple, you know, uh, quality individual moments there. The thing that struck me was like, I'm not convinced that these players are bad. You know, we keep on, you know, we keep on getting the excuse from Matias Almeida that he's not getting enough investment. He's not getting the players he wants. You can't convince me that the San Jose Earthquake's players that were on the field today were worse than their New York Red Bulls counterparts. Then again, again, I'm far away. I'm watching on a fuzzy screen far away. Robert Jonas, is this team actually lacking quality?
3: Um, You know... I'm going to take what you said there and just sort of continue it going. When you have good players, and these are very good players, if you watch them individually, they have skill, they have talent, they, they, they can do a lot of what's asked for them in those positions, um, but uh, when those pieces don't fit well together, when they don't uh, play well together, that's not necessarily you know, fully on a player. That's that's your coaching. That's your coaching staff that's got to get the guys to to be able to play together. You're absolutely right. I you know I, I was watching Montero very very closely at times and very impressed with the way he was able to to you know keep the ball get out of pressure take fouls take many fouls and and uh, you know kind of keep the possession in that way. You know this was a team that was almost 2 to 1 possession in the first half despite you know being down a goal and and just not looking like a better team. You know that wasn't about controlling the ball it was just what, what 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 do they do with it. And yeah Chofie's had a couple of moments uh, we haven't even mentioned Cade Cow tonight, cuz can't remember if he played the game at all. To be honest with you, there were just times where, because this team was not advancing the ball with a with a regular style, with a regular way of playing, that these individual stars, uh, these individual talents, were not shining in a way that uh, you know was consistent enough to to put together good scoring opportunities to to really test the Red Bulls defense and make that goalkeeper work. And that's something that you know it's again you can't fault an individual player for that. Uh, you you want them to be able to work together, but you have to look at your coaching staff, too, and and make sure that they're preparing the guys the right way.
0: It seemed it seemed telling, by the way, that he the first, you know, the group that he was mentioning that he had good chemistry with are people like Chofis, who are high technical ability players Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, kind of play in similar parts of the pitch to him. Uh, Obviously, that is a good, important thing to have chemistry with them. Um, And he was talking about those attacking progressions not a lot of discussion about those, you know, defensive duties, uh, which is by the way, you know, Montero does have a good reputation as a good, effective presser. Um, but you know, we, we didn't, you know, it wasn't on show today because, you know, it didn't look like there was a good setup for it. Um, Alex Morgan, I guess, similar question to you is like, is there anything that worried you about the quality of this team vis-a-vis other MLS teams? And with a particular eye to the newcomers, obviously Montero looked pretty good. Calvo, though, was it was a very different discussion. So I guess perhaps I would center my question to you on on that. You know, what was the good, the bad and the ugly of the Calvo performance? And does it say does it indicate that the team is lacking quality?
2: Look, Montero looked good on both sides of the ball. I thought his defensive effort was good. He was actually quite good in transitions. I think he was one of San Jose's best players in transitions. I thought Greg was good on both sides of the ball. And I think we probably got about what we expected from Calvo, which is that he offers a lot of leadership uh generally competent and i think the quakes were looking to him in the build out and in the defensive organization and every once in a while he kind of makes a glaring error and i think he he slipped in one of the defensive plays earlier and it's kind of hectic and it's kind of chaotic and, and that's about what i expected so i'm not entirely surprised the thing i think about the tactical performance that was most concerning to me was how the quakes were supposed to get the ball forward and score goals. This is what I kept asking during preseason. How is this team set up to score goals? What are the ways in which you are looking to score goals? And the answer I kept getting was we are looking to utilize our pace up top and on the wings with Cade Cowell, with Christian Espinosa, giving them space. That's what the 3-5-2 is doing. It's giving them space as wingbacks to really pummel the opposition on the wings. You know when you have a boba when you have benji playing up top two that's more pace up there the quakes completely didn't do that today kade cowell rarely got on the ball in space christian espinosa didn't really get on the ball in space either and so in that sense the system was a failure it didn't get the ball in the positions it needed to be to, to the right players and and that was what was most concerning to me about this performance because that's what they spent preseason trying to do figuring out how to get the ball to kate cowell and christian espinosa and they didn't do that and look They have plenty of talented players. Chofis had a brilliant flicked header, and Montero also had some bright moments. Just because of the quality and the talent that they have on this roster, there are players that can unlock the game at times they really need it. And uh, Chofis did that pretty consistently last season, right? In, In games where the Quakes looked like they were losing, Chofis showed up and he scored a crucial goal. He unlocked something with his skill. But that's not a coherent strategy, right? Matias Almeida is not adding any value to the team if the strategy is just let's get the ball and have trophies do some magic, right? In the attacking strategy today that, that Matias Almeida had planned, I don't think
0: that worked. Uh, Jamin, you're the expert in where goals come from. Um <laughs> where do goals come from? Let's, let's make it less about the like the analytical foundations of it and more about like where do they come from and the personnel in this team? Uh, and, and I'm not saying like the way that he currently set it up, but can you imagine combinations of players that would generate the kinds of good chances that you like to see analytically?
1: Well, you, you can, and you actually saw it at times tonight. And and where you saw it was when Jeremy Obobese was able to get out in front of the play And they were looking to him with, with through balls. Uh, You know, you saw them try that multiple times. And one time it almost came off. Like it was just a hair uh, from coming off. And if that does start to come off. From the
0: TV view, by the way, that one looked like he might've been offside by about a yard.
1: Fair enough. And and that's possible. (laughs) And I think Alex even mentioned at the time, like he was offside there, but you can kind of get from that, what it is they're trying to do. That was a ball that you did not see last year because you didn't have the person up top who would be able to take advantage of that. Obobese is the kind of player who can take advantage of that. And I think we've talked about cutbacks with Christian Espinoza you know, over the last three years. I think if you can start to see Montero and Shofis start to look for situations where they can play through to Obobese or some speed from Cade Cowell or um, Benja Kakanovich, now you're starting to use that pace. You're gonna stretch back lines and you definitely are going to see better opportunities. And even when things don't come off, one of the things that the Quakes would do tonight is they would send runners in behind. I did like elements of that because uh, whoever wasn't on, at the front side was coming in from the backside and the balls just didn't happen to fall into the right areas. But sometimes those balls are just gonna squirt out. There were a couple shots from the top um, of the uh, of the box. Those are decent shots. You wanna take those when you get those opportunities. They didn't come off tonight, but some of those were due to, you know, defensive deflections and things like that. And the, the Quakes, again, really up until Nathan went out, they had a lot of those types of chances that they were starting to create. And you could see the promise of it. Now, you know, the question is, if Nathan's going to be out for an extended period of time, can they get the defensive part of it right so that they stay on the front foot with those chances instead of getting pinned back against the goal? Uh, that has happened after he went out, you know, particularly with with a lot of corners and set pieces that they were having trouble defending.
0: Yeah, quick quick follow up actually with you there. So you know, Nathan obviously the the team looked better during his time on the pitch, um, but he's not necessarily essential in the build up uh, phase. So is. Is there anything to the fact that he was injured that kind of affected the buildup in a negative way? To me, it would more, more seem to affect their defensive positioning, whereas Tanner Beeson is clearly less comfortable, you know, playing on the right side.
1: Yeah, I, I think that was that was partially it because they they got a little bit hamstrung by Tanner always having to receive, you know, on his left foot, and when you're playing on the right side in the way that the Quicks were were doing that, you really need to be playing with the outside foot in order to. Get the wing back going up the sideline and play that ball that they wanted to play. As soon as that was up to Tanner to hit, no offense to Tanner, he's just not a right-footed, you know, right, right center back. There's there's not much you can do, and you're looking at the bench going, who else can you put in? Well, it's Marcos Lopez, another left-footed guy. So you know, rocking a hard place right there. Um, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do about that right center back situation pretty quickly if they're going to try this same type of approach where they're going to, to push those center backs, you know, up the pitch for some of these attacking situations to be the catalyst to win balls and, uh, and then start uh, start uh, some faster transition play.
0: So a lot of the things that you two, Alex and Jamin, have just kind of highlighted seem to be various versions of putting players in the wrong tactical position to succeed. Obviously the Tanner Beeson one was forced in the moment, although I'm going to get back to that. Um, The, you know, Francisco Calvo, if he's going to make those kind of marauding runs through the middle or do kind of that avant-garde defending, he needs somebody covering for him, you know, and you have Jan Grigush, who's a good player, but not, not covering a lot of ground. He's not particularly quick. You have Cade Cowell and Christian Espinosa, who you think might actually do well in those roles, completely silent for most of the game. Uh, you know, you have a lot of kind of square picks and round holes. Eric Rometty, you know, was completely ineffectual in this game. Uh, and didn't seem to contribute to it. So there's a lot of different versions of not playing in the right tactical position, but it kind of had me thinking, I'm going to like zoom out for a second on, okay, but what personality you have, like, why are you playing a three man back line? If there's only four center backs on the roster total, Um, and one of whom you just got in the draft and, you know, who knows if he's ready to even play at this level. Um, and there's a lot of things like that, where it doesn't seem like there's necessarily the right personnel to do that kind of setup that he has. Um, and that got me kind of thinking of like, maybe this is just a great example of Matias not being willing to work with the long-term project that Chris Leach has come through with. So Chris Leach has a very clear kind of approach that he's gotten in this off season. You know, there's some kind of very distinct areas that he's going for. There's particular kinds of players he likes. Um, You know, he brought in Jean Gregouche, who is probably going to be a good player for us. But, you know, Montero looks good. Calvo obviously had a rough game, but I can imagine a world in which he's put in the right situations. But, if he's put, putting all these players in all these wrong situations, is this just evidence that Leach and Almeida are fundamentally not on the same page? And I'll put that to you, Robert Jonas.
3: I think I think it's a great question, and um, you know, it got me thinking as you were talking there that uh, you know, coaches passed here here with the earthquakes. Uh, didn't try to overcomplicate things. Um, you know, you, we go back to the old Frank Gallup days, and it literally was put eleven guys on the pitch and a ball, and, and let them do their job. And, and even Dom Kinnear was was uh, you know had a had a had a very sound approach to the game. It didn't try to you know try to make things too special or too complicated, and and it was effective at times. It wasn't going to you know win every game, but it was going to keep this team in it. Um, Almeida sometimes you know does you know kind of bring in these creative elements uh, in his gameplay that, you know. Take uh, maybe a larger roster, like he says, or maybe it takes uh, all the lucky breaks. And and this is a team that seems to be prone to making the mistake that costs them dearly. Like again, another couple of goals today. You could call mistakes, but I guess you know they were earned mistakes by the Red Bulls, not necessarily the Quakes giving up the game. So that that sort of uh, longer vision um, maybe uh, gets accelerated a little bit. You know, I I hate to you know put a coach on the hot seat after one game, but uh, you know this is you know definitely this sort of a lame duck feel sometimes and uh, if the players don't you know kind of respond to the coach you know there there may be a, a change sooner than we expect um, that would be you know just a, a dramatic change or really a dramatic moment for, for a team that just needs some level of stability but when when you kind of see a game like tonight and and don't feel confident in, in how the game is being approached that stability is going to be reached then you know you know go team chaos I suppose uh, <laughs> some something to you know kind of re-energize folks again you know the other aspect to your question i wanted to talk about too is uh, you know we had the uh, the press box a window open today, which is which is great. Uh, it's nice to kind of get a feel for how the crowd is is sort of paying attention. You know the buzz, and it was it was quiet. It was restless. It wasn't really an engaged crowd for a lot of the game. They did get the equalizer. They got people pumped up, and almost immediately the Red Bulls, you know, sort of put a put a stop to that. And even in that, you know, threw everything at the uh, at the at the defense near the end there before they gave up the third goal. There still wasn't sort of a sort of a lift from the crowd. It didn't seem like they were anticipating that the equalizer. It was coming it was more like okay let's well, let's see let's see okay you, know, you know not on the edge of their seats and and that's something that you know if if uh you know this team can't even you know kind of get the you know a, a season opening crowd and excited that that's that's got me a little bit concerned about what we might see next week against columbus in terms of atmosphere and and just what that does for kind of the player confidence as well
0: Yeah. So, I I mean, coaches usually get fired when they lose the locker room, they alienate the front office or they alienate the fans. Um, It doesn't yet necessarily seem like he's lost the locker room, um, but I think that we're starting to see the other two kind of give way. Alex, was there anything you noticed there? And I actually wanted to particularly ask you. I've seen a lot of people in the comments uh, indicate that there was some kind of dispute with a fan at the end of the game between Matias and a fan. I didn't know if any of that was visible from the press box.
2: We, We did not catch any of those disputes. Um, but I'm definitely going to follow up on that. So we will let you know, Colin. The thing I wanted to add was that um, I don't think that Matias Almeida tried this because it's the best system, because it's his preferred system. I think he tried this and he made the change because he had to do something. He had to make some change. He's been playing more or less the same way for three years. This is his fourth year. It hasn't been working. You have to do something, right? This is the last chance saloon for Matias Almeida this season. He needs to try something. And if it doesn't work, I, I, I think uh, he, he's he got to go because this is his fourth season. The Quakes have a good roster. And if he's not getting the results out of this team, it's reached that point in his tenure. And I I, I think that's exciting for Quakes fans. Even though the Quakes are doing poorly, we know that I, I don't think this front office uh, is at the point where where they're willing to put up with it uh, for much longer. So, so that's, to me, exciting is that uh, even if the quakes do poorly, I think there could be light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Um, uh, Jamin Moore, uh, you know, I just I don't know if you want to put on your psychologist hat and you can follow up as you see fit. But um, you know, sometimes we see petulant Matthias. This wasn't necessarily petulant Matthias tonight, which actually kind of struck me as odd, given how poor the performance was—a uh, season-opening loss. And how much pressure he's under i mean robert's putting him on the hot seat after one game i had him on the hot seat several years ago so i think a lot of fans did too so i was just kind of curious of your reaction of did you, did that strike you in any way and do you think that and what do you think about this dynamic between new gm and new coach which in many instances is usually a harbinger of change
1: well if if people didn't catch it i do want to mention that i i think it's really worth uh watching the video that we put out. I mean, it was late last night, and then uh, uh, promoted it earlier this morning. My conversation with Carlos Eustace, because I think there's a lot of really useful perspectives uh, that Carlos provides in that, and, and kind of some insight into Almeida, and kind of the you know the person that is Matias Almeida and what motivates him as a person. And and Carlos had a chance to to observe him back in Mexico. Um, as a player in the Shivas, you know, organization for a period of time and uh and and you know a fan um of that of that team and that organization for a long time. And and uh so you know he's been watching him all these years and and certainly from the perspective of of someone who's seen him win championships, you know, I, I think like it's it's easy to bring a, a quite a bit of a different perspective to to the Almeida persona. That said, we have to live with what we see here in san jose and what we see here in san jose is a coach that is unable to implement his identity successfully in major league soccer and for the last two years has now been tinkering with trying to find something that'll actually work i don't think that he really has ideas of exactly how to fix this team now if it was if it was me you know and i'm not a i'm not a coach but if it was me I would be starting with something much more basic, make sure that my players have it, that we've got the spine in place, that we've got you know, the solidity in place. Maybe we were grinding out zero, zero draws at the beginning of the season. And yes, that might be boring to the fans coming in on opening day. But to me, that beats this idea of let's play this wide open game and it's a wild, wild west out there and we're just going to throw caution to the wind defensively and try to throw numbers forward and try to make it exciting because this is not working. Um, and has not worked. And it's not going to produce the result that is going to get this team to the next level. So hopefully he takes this game, takes a look at the tape, sees the problems that were happening in the transition and fortifies the defensive elements of what it is he wants to do to come back with a little bit more of a solid uh, you know, central area, particularly to be able to defend against transitions if they start to lose those balls in the middle of the pitch like they were doing tonight. And, you know, to, to try to bring this into some sort of, of, of corralled chaos, I know he wants to create excitement. I know, like, you know, that's the type of environment he wants to create. But you also have to have something that is not going to just put you out there and give up 20 shots in a game, half of which were actually high quality shots. And the Red Bulls could have easily you know scored scored many more goals from this game had that happened i talked with a um, a former player not a quakes player at halftime and said have you seen this before have you seen this type of setup before and, and he said never never have seen a coach try to do what almeida is trying to do tonight and i get it he's trying to some stuff and he's trying an experiment and, and i think like we understood that there was going to be some experimentation going on I just don't think that's the right way to start off this season, particularly when the Quakes have a lot of their home schedule in the front of the season, because every game that you run out there and you get boat race like this, you're going to just lose points. And if the Quakes lose too many points at home from the beginning of the season, they're going to be on the outside looking in at the playoffs again.
0: Yeah. And by the way, when you have, I was going to say, you know, remember there's, you know, three groups that can lose faith. Obviously the front office has kind of lost at least a certain amount of faith because they haven't extended him and, you know, haven't, you know, kept the GM who brought him in. The fans are starting to get reckless when, if you don't have an idea of what to do tactically, the locker room goes. And we've seen that a million times uh, across this sport, across the world. Uh, And so I I think that would be something to keep an eye on. Um, And Jamin, I just wanted to focus on that, um, that tactical thing. I've been racking my brain, you know, obviously since the preseason, we couldn't see it, but we've had some notes from Alex Morgan who, you know, helped us kind of understand a little bit. We have the way that lineups are posted. Uh, And I've been racking my brain this entire time for like, what are things that are even remotely close to this in world soccer history? The two things that I came up with were uh, Newell's uh, era and early 2000s Argentina era Marcelo Bielsa playing a 3-3-1, which was later revived by Pep Guardiola or the 1990s a- Ajax teams under Louis van Gaal who had a 352. Those are the only two things that are even remotely in the same uh, picture. And the fact that those are not common systems throughout the world and that they're only employed by people who are considered to be great geniuses of the game or Louis van Gaal's case, at least at the time was user are no, You know, Marcelo Bielsa, I'm sorry. (laughs) And I think that that's where we're at. He had an identity and and principles and a tactical approach that made some sense when he came into the lead with his crazy man marking system. It had its flaws, but there was no doubt that the team was all singing from the same hymnal. Now there's no hymnal at all, uh, and it does not appear to me for there to be a pathway. Uh, So I kind of I mean, I'm going to push this show towards the end. We're getting towards the hour mark after two very short press conferences. I'm interested, what is the pathway from here? Uh, first of all, what could it be? And I and for each of you at the top, I want you to tell me what will it be? I.e., do you think Matias Almeida fixes this? And whether or not you think he does, what is the pathway forward? Uh, Alex, I'm going to start with you.
2: That's a big question, Colin. Um, <laughs> the gap between what I think will happen and what should happen, I think, is is probably... Fairly large, Colin, I think uh, one of the ways in which this team uh, starts to improve uh, is to try to play through the midfield, I think. I think they kind of backed out of that challenge today. I think they have the players in the midfield to do that. They signed a bunch of midfielders, right? You brought in Gregus, you have Rometty, you brought in Montero, you have Trophis, you have Ewell, you have Jutson, You have so many midfielders, and yet today they were trying to bypass the midfield and play around the midfield. So to me, that doesn't make sense. If you're going to try to set up the team this way, you got to go for it because they had, I think, a lot of really good Triangles today on the field. They had a lot of good positions and a lot of good combinations, but at a certain point, it just felt like they they were getting harried and they sent the ball long and they got flustered and they didn't really commit to that. And, and, and Matthias kind of uh, only went halfway with that strategy. So I think the midfield is the the place where you start if you want to address this problem. And uh, I have. Absolutely no idea if Matias Almeida is going to be the man to do that. Uh, I'm not optimistic after this game, but it is still the first game. And and I think he deserves the opportunity uh, to try to get this
0: team uh, to where he wants it to be. Robert Jonas, um, those two same two questions. You know, what is the pathway back and will Matias be able to actually convert or to achieve that?
3: Yeah it's uh you know after the game I had a chance to run into uh, a couple of the TV uh TV folks uh Danger and Passarelli, and you know, we just sort of shook our heads a little bit. And, uh, you know, the same refrain we heard from Jamiro in the press conference. It's early, you know, it's just one game. We've got, still got a lot of season to go. I'm always a little wary of that because, you know, while there are 34 games on the schedule, um, if you give up three points on the in the first game versus the last game, it's still three points you're giving up. So you can't just sort of, you know, kind of use your first month of the season as a sort of a throwaway. Having said that, I'm going to let Mateus use this first month as a throwaway month, and uh, we didn't really see the preseason, so we don't know exactly what was going on there. They weren't playing MLS opponents, so they didn't necessarily have the the kind of opposition to really test the system out. And now they're kind of entering their second preseason, if you will. You've got a, some Eastern Conference teams you're playing, which maybe take a little bit of the pressure off because you're not t- these aren't six pointers in the Western Conference at this at this stance. And if uh, you make some mistakes now, maybe you can uh, kind of write. The ship, and start getting consistent results when you start playing more of those games against the West. Um, but you know that's a that's a very short window to to get things right, and it's a pretty high stakes uh, second preseason that uh, he he might be embarking on here. But you know that's uh, that's kind of seems to be where things are at. And so to answer the question, that's that's the uh, the leash I'm giving up
0: here. Fair enough. I mean, I think that's probably no secret to anyone who watches the show that I have. Zero faith in their his ability to do so. Jamin, do you see it any differently? And, and and similarly, is there what is the pathway back for you?
1: The pathway back for me quite simply is to let the center backs be center backs and the midfielders be midfielders. And I agree with Alex. Own the middle of the pitch. You have some really good midfielders. You played 4 three, four, three today because you wanted to throw more midfielders, you know in there. You've got Montero, who for the most part was playing kind of on the left because he likes the left half space, although a little bit deeper than Shofis. You have Shofice who plays on the right because he likes the right half space uh, a little bit higher up. You've got Abobasi. You've got Pace on the wings. You've got Pace up top. You've got the ability from Montero to track back. If you put Jutson on the pitch instead of Rametti. Uh, then I also think you have someone who can cover ground going forward, the same way Montero can cover ground going backward. And I believe you'll be able to handle some of the transitions better if you just let the center backs stay in the middle and don't try to play them up on the wings and create some sort of weird attacking approach. So for me, it's kind of simple: like let the people, let the players do what they're good at doing, you know, in the positions that they're good at doing them. Now you do have a situation if Nathan's going to miss games. Okay. Now you've got a situation where you got to figure out that right center back situation. And and I don't think there's an easy solution there. I, I, I certainly would prefer Calvo over there than Beeson, because we know Beeson is going to be very solid if he's on the left. But if you're sending Calvo and Beeson up to the midline, and if you don't win the ball, you're going to get split open on the transition because you only have midfielders. I mean, let me replay something back you know, for the U.S. fans here. So many people here, also U.S. national team fans. Everyone remember what happened when the U.S. played Canada recently. When Matt Turner played the ball into the center of the pitch, he had two players beside him, tried to play the ball forward, went into the center of the pitch. And what got, what happened? The ball ended up short. The Canada won the ball. The U.S. got ripped apart in the transition. There was no way to be able to recover. I, I felt like I saw the same movie over and over again tonight. Because it was like and, and when Greg Burhalter gets on with Bobby Warshaw, you know, on the US national team podcast and says, yeah, I can there's a number of mistakes that we made on that that particular play. Matias Almeida comes to his press conference and says, What mistakes? We didn't make any mistakes. It was a virtue of the opponent. So, you know, we've got a serious kind of issue if that's if he's thinking that there's really no issues with that, because everything about what happened in those situations is exactly what coaches are trained. If you go through USSF level coaching, CBA, whatever level you get to, and plenty of them are going to be texting me tonight, by the way, about these comments. So, you know, everything that the Quakes were doing tonight is exactly what they're told not to do and how to prevent that kind of situation. And instead, Matias Almeida opens the team up to those situations, and this is exactly what happens. So, it's an easier, it's, I'm not going to say it's going to get fixed, but it's easy to improve it by just putting the players into their positions and letting them be creative. Matias is very good about giving his players creativity. Everyone says, i love to play for Matias because he gives creativity. Great. That Do that creativity from the place that you are the strongest as a player. I do have to question whether or not it's going to make sense to keep Cade Cowell on that outside instead of Marcos Lopez. If you're looking for more Defensive improvements. I think you got to try to get Marcos Lopez on the pitch. He was not in the injury report. We don't know if he's working his way back still from from the knock that he might have gotten with his national team. But for me, the sooner you can get Marcos Lopez on the pitch, the better. And if you need to find something else, you know, for Kay Cowell to do, then then go find something else for Kay Cowell to do.
0: When I was in high school, I had an English teacher who said something that a lot of English teachers say, which is, you know, some of the greatest writing in the world breaks the formal rules of writing. Uh, but you need to know all the formal rules of writing so that you choose when to break them and why to choose to break them. To me, this is a classic example of someone who's not... Uh, he's not kind of understanding the fundamentals and making intentional choices to uh, kind of go against those fundamentals. So for all the English teachers in the crowd, you know something conceptually that Matias Hameda appears that he does not. Um, with that, unfortunately, I'm going to have to close the show as we're coming up on an hour. Um, thank you, Jamin, Alex and Robert, who, of course, are all there in, a via, or excuse me, PayPal Park, as you can see. Um, and uh, they are part of the backbone of the Quakes Epicenter team that we have assembled this year, uh, which is as large as this ever been, I, I'm really impressed with the quality of the group that, that I get to work with. We obviously have this show, which is the Aftershock. We do post-game and we do some midweek content as well. But in the last week, we have an amazing array of content that we've put out. Uh, this includes an Im- excellent interview with Jamin and Alex and Wanda Lasky. Uh, Carlos Eustis uh, had an interview as well. Um, I certainly wrote a piece the other day. Actually, I think it was just yesterday about Chris Leach and how he's approaching the season. ton of content out there. So What we ask of you, our audience, is that you uh, consider subscribing to our Patreon. There's different levels. A $2 Patreon gets you early access to our articles. Uh, Higher levels can give you access to our videos early and some special content such as uh, Jamiro Montero's, you know, 20 minute, uh, you know, actions reel. It goes a little bit deeper than just a highlight reel uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, Of course, also like, and subscribe our YouTube channel. uh, And you can follow all of us on Twitter, except for me. I usually tweet from the Quakes Epicenter account, but Alex Morgan, Jamie Moore, and Robert Jonas are all there. Um, And of course the Quakes Epicenter Twitter account as well. So thank you everyone for following along the show. You guys are a fantastic audience and you make uh, otherwise unpalatable nights. Uh, more palatable. Just like this one. All right. Thanks everybody and good night.